Misfits, saved by the one known by the marks. Hi everyone, and welcome to the sermon portion of our special pandemic edition Christmas Eve pre-recorded service with the theme, A Misfit Christmas. Special thanks to our worship team for planning and arranging this, and to everybody from our church family who took time to send in Christmas greetings and songs and stories. I've been very blessed to get an advance peek at the submissions ahead of time. And again, thanks to our AV team for putting it all together, making it possible for us to worship simultaneously, even if not all in the same room. This one time, there was no room for them, not at the inn, but at the church. Well, at least not all crowded together like we normally are. Nevertheless, as the body of Christ, we can worship together in the spirit wherever we are. Christmas times and holiday times, we usually expect to be together with those we love. When that can't happen due to contagious bugs like coronavirus, it's hard. The pandemic is preventing many from getting together as they normally would. That can make it very lonely and isolating for some. Hopefully, as Jesus followers, we can make a special effort to care for any neighbors who may be feeling low over the next few days. God tells us in the Bible he is holy, eternal, almighty, a spirit full of wisdom and mystery. God abhors the wicked who cannot stand in his presence. So sin separates fallen human sinners, as we all started off, from a holy God, much the same way COVID is separating families this year from getting together. We are contaminated, spiritually speaking, by sin, infected by pride and lust, made detestable by our chasing after idols like greed and gluttony, envy and deceit. Compared to holy God and his angels, we don't belong in heaven. We're misfits, rejects, unsuitable to even enter heaven's gates. We deserve hell, eternally cut off from God's love and light and glory. The miracle at the heart of Christmas is that God took the initiative to bring us back together with him by sending Jesus his son so our sins could be forgiven. Just like COVID needs a vaccine to be prevented and overcome, Sin needed a payment in order for things to be set right. Jesus came to die on the cross and make payment for all the wrong things we'd ever done. The nails of the cross marked him, left permanent scars that prove he paid the penalty that should have fallen upon us. So you have this problem. On the one hand, an eternal holy God dwelling in unapproachable light. On the other, fallen human sinners addicted to our passions, lacking even the taste or appreciation for holiness, preferring the darkness. Only a being infinitely holy and precious would be able to pay the cost for all the transgressions and rebellion and perverseness of humans, offense against an infinitely good God. Out of the mystery of God's being three in one, a trinity, Jesus came to take on human flesh, identifying with us in our creatureliness, yet remaining perfectly obedient to the Father's will and sinless, a worthy sacrifice. Let's read John 1, 10 to 14, 16 and 18. It says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him known. These Bible verses tell us Jesus was somewhat of a misfit. Verse 10, the world did not recognize him as if you don't belong here. Verse 11, his own did not receive him as if you're not welcome here. We don't know you. You're not like us. Jesus certainly was a misfit when it came to the religious leaders' expectations about the Messiah who it was hoped would deliver the Jewish people. When the wise men came to Jerusalem asking where the king of the Jews had been born, whose star they had been following, King Herod was disturbed. Yet the chief priests and teachers of the law knew Micah prophesied Israel's ruler would be born in Bethlehem. However, Jesus was actually raised in Nazareth. The religious leaders supposed he'd lived his whole life in Galilee, so they figured he couldn't be the Christ. When Nicodemus protested their prejudice that they weren't giving Jesus a fair hearing, they slammed him in John 7.52. Look into it and you'll find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Jesus didn't fit their expectations. He was a misfit because they didn't realize he was actually born in Bethlehem. Another problem was that Jesus loved all the wrong people. He actually hung out with people the self-righteous folk looked down upon. Matthew 9, 10, 11. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You're in with the wrong crowd there. When it came to the holy huddle, Pharisees strived to excel in their keeping all the religious rules and dietary laws. Jesus was a misfit. But our holy God seems to have a habit of choosing and using the misfits. For witnesses to Jesus' birth, the angels appeared to lowly shepherds out keeping watch over their flocks in the fields. For witnesses to the resurrection, God chose women whose story the disciples had a hard time believing. Shepherds and women were two categories of people whose testimony was inadmissible in court at that time. Legally speaking, they were misfits. Back in the Old Testament, about a thousand years before Jesus was born, God sent the prophet Samuel to choose a successor to King Saul for the sons of Jesse, a farmer who lived near Bethlehem. Jesse brought his seven oldest sons and presented them to the prophet, and some of them were pretty striking, but it wasn't to be one of them. Samuel went down the list, but it wasn't any of them. He paused, probably with a puzzled expression, and asked Jesse, for Samuel 16:11, Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Jeez, David was the runt of the litter, so to speak. The youngest, number eight son, overlooked. In that sense, he was a misfit, but that's the one God chose to lead the nation. Second Samuel 7, 8, God says, I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. As if to say, you were a, a nobody and I lifted you up to the top position of power. 
God chooses the misfits. There's a very familiar prophecy used all the time at Christmas that we don't think much about. Micah foretold the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. Listen closely for the misfit phrase here, Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Hmm. Though you are small, though you're the least, you're not amongst the more prominent. You might be overlooked. You're a, a misfit in power terms. Yep, this is how God works. He delights to use those we wouldn't normally expect because that shows it's his power and accomplishment, not theirs. It, it brings him glory. Mary, Jesus' mother, sings in Luke 1, 48 and 52, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Tax collectors were amongst the most despised people in first century Palestine because they dared to collaborate with the hated Roman overlords and profited from it. Yet we see in Matthew 9, 9 and 10, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Hmm. That despised man and Luke are the two men to whom we owe our accounts of Jesus' birth, the Christmas story. Jesus calls and transforms the misfits. Gamaliel's keenest student, Saul, would have been voted by his classmates most likely to stomp out errant cults and sects. Saul was throwing Christians into jail and dragging them before the religious courts for punishment. But Jesus stopped him in his tracks on the road to Damascus and opened Saul's eyes to become Paul, the dynamic evangelist to whom we owe much of the New Testament. Later, Paul would write to his protege, Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. On the scale of holiness, Saul or Paul was a misfit. I am the worst, he says. He ranked right at the very bottom. But God chose this misfit, so the wonderfulness of God's patience and mercy would be obvious, highlighting the beauty of God's glory. The shepherds found a baby lying in a manger, wrapped in cloths, just as the angels had said they would. That baby was somehow at the same time both son of man and son of God. At the end of his life, that baby would become marked with scars by the way he died for your sins and mine. After his resurrection to prove to his disciples it was really him, he said, Luke 24:39, Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. The nail marks proved he had suffered and borne the cost so we might be redeemed from being misfits and made holy, sanctified through faith in his blood, thus put right with God. My oldest daughter, Emily, married a man from Alberta. 
Transistors live in Spruce Grove, about 20 minutes west of Edmonton. Next town west from that is Stony Plain. Recently in the news, a man from there, Stony Plain, did something remarkable. Derek Prue Sr. had an eight-year-old son, Derek Prue Jr., who had a large birthmark, sort of a brown spot that covered a large portion of his torso. You can see it in the photo here. Derek Jr., quote, was a little bit self-conscious about it, end quote, in his father's words. I myself have a small birthmark on the middle toe of my left foot, and I've always been a bit self-conscious about it, too. What would it be like to have such a large one as this? Would you feel a bit like a misfit whenever you went swimming or played sports with your shirt off? Recently, Derek Jr. was in for a big surprise. While he was playing in the pool at a hotel, his dad took off his shirt and revealed he had exactly the same markings on his own chest, too. Unbeknownst to his son, Derek Sr. had gone to a tattoo artist and over nine sittings, enduring about 30 hours of pain, the dad had been given a similar marking to his son. Derek Sr. had to be frozen multiple times to be able to stand the pain. Well, what's my point? Not that we should or shouldn't be getting tattoos. The father identified with the son to the point of taking his mark on himself through a very painful process. It brought them together in a very special kind of way. Derek Jr. can be heard in a video captured by the family when Dad revealed his marking, saying, That's cool. The only way a perfect and holy God can make relationship with us possible was to send Jesus in human form as a little baby who would become a misfit like us, a friend of misfits, and at the end become marked for our sins. At Christmas, the baby in the manger is the Lord God Almighty identifying with us sinners, redeeming us. In the marks of Jesus, the crucified and risen one, we appreciate the pain and suffering he went through to bring us to himself. Those marks are beautiful, his glory, the proof of forgiveness for us misfits. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the miracle of Christmas. Holy God becoming incarnate, taking on our nature, becoming like us to save us. Thank you that the manger points to the cross. You, Jesus, love us so much as to die for us in our place, making it possible for us to receive you into our lives and live with you forever. Like the shepherds, help us share widely the marvelous news of your grace and goodness. In Christ's name, amen.